It is great to see everyone here this morning, and great to hear all the, the laughter coming from everyone today. Growing up, one of the things that we did were family reunions, and I'm sure that you guys can relate to those. It was a great time for people who haven't seen each other to, to get together and see what goes on in people's lives. It was always an adventure to me. But one of the greatest adventures that I had growing up was the experiences that I had with my father. We never knew what he was going to do. Wilma, you can probably relate to this. He was a rambler. We would come home from school, and he would have the car packed, and he would say, get in, we're leaving, and us as kids, not knowing where we were going, would just get in the car and go. And he, sometimes he would take us to Lake Lanier. There's a couple times he took us to Cherokee, North Carolina. Now, being kids, we didn't realize that he had made plans for this. For us, it seemed like a sporadic thing, and it's how he wanted it to appear to us. So it was somewhat of a journey for us. But he knew from the onset where we were going, what time we were leaving, and, and all his resources were accounted for. He knew what his mission was, was, and he knew how to carry it out. And as we begin our celebration of Epiphany today, that's what I want to talk to you about carrying out the mission. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The Word of God says that in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay homage to him. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that had been seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you and thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us to gather in your house to worship. And fathers, we come in today to celebrate Epiphany, the, the great revelation, the great understanding of Christ coming into this world. We ask that you be with us today. Father, send your spirit into this house to, to open the hearts and minds of all of us gathered here. Empty me of the desire to speak my own mind, but fill me with your spirit 
that every word that I would speak would be edification to your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love the story about the Magi. Growing up, we know it as the three kings. Like the song says, we three kings of Orient are. And the thing about the story is that it has been, it's been transitioned with uh, different concepts and ideas over the year. The gospel itself does not reference three kings coming to see Jesus. And in our nativities that we celebrate at Christmas, when we, when we do all of our plays and programs, we always have the gathering of the shepherds and the wise men. All at the same time, we do that for the sake of time so that we can tell the entire story at once and, and give semblance of, of what happened at that time. But in reality, the wise men or the magi appeared to Christ sometime after his birth. They weren't present at the time of the shepherds. When they heard about the birth of Jesus, they heard it in a different manner than what the shepherds did. The shepherds were called upon by an angel in the open field. And they were told that, that this day in the city of David, a child is born, Christ the Messiah. They were given specific instructions. They were given specific information on what was happening. The Magi, on the other hand, did not have that experience. The Magi were only informed by what some would say is intuition. See, like I said, the story of the Magi have changed throughout the years. Some call them kings. Some call them wise men. Some say that they come from different countries. And, and truthfully, none of this stuff is known. The only thing that is recorded in the gospel is from the book of Matthew that refer to the Magi coming from the east. What we do know to be truthful about the Magi is that they are learned people and that they come from the land of Persia. Many would assume, which is my favorite assumption, is that they come from Babylon. And that their time they spent in Babylon, they had gained knowledge of the Jewish beliefs of the coming of the Messiah. You see, remember, because I talk about it all the time, that, that at one time the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon. And during those 70 years, they talked about their belief system. They established their own way of life so that the, the faith that they had was shared in that area. And beyond that, there was a, a dispersion of the Jews after they returned home because of the Roman Empire. And many of the Jewish people left Israel and returned to, the, to Persia. And during those times, it is understood that, that they shared their faith with many people. In that, we could come to understand that, that the Magi, the, the learned people of that time in that area, would have a knowledge or at least a common understanding that the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah much like today that we as Christians understand that there are other religions around us, and though we know, may not know all about them, we know certain aspects of them. And their call to travel was unique because they didn't hear a voice from heaven, not that it's recorded anyways, that said, I want you to leave your home and go find Christ the child. Something else happened instead. They saw a star in the sky. Now, it could have been any star in the sky that night. 
and it was surely a star that just shone brighter than most. But what was it that when they looked at that star made them inquire that that star was the star that would lead them to the Christ child in Bethlehem? It had to be more than just mere knowledge. There had to be something that pushed, something that tugged, something within that, that said, let's move forward and find out what this treasure is. Something had to speak within their heart in order to convince them to move forward. And I think about all the times in life when, when I've seen people or read about people who, who go out and do things, amazing things without having knowledge of, of how it's going to turn out. But they took the risk because they saw a hope, they saw a vision, and they saw a dream. And instead of standing and sitting and waiting for it to happen, they took the initiative to move forward to accomplish that, even in the face of failure. And I think that that's what the, the message that we receive on this Epiphany Day is that when Christ came into the world, that, that he came into the world not just for the Jews, but, but for all Gentiles, even in the wilderness. God said that I'm preparing you to be a people that would lead the entire world into a relationship with me, not just the chosen people, everyone. And I think that, that by God reaching out to the Magi, that, that he expresses to us this very sentiment that though the Christ child was born in Bethlehem amongst the Jews, let it be known that I am reaching out to more than just those who are gathered here. But I am reaching out to those of other thoughts, of other beliefs, of other religions, that they too shall come and worship the child. And I think he told us a lot about life experience through that you see i'm the big rocky fan so y'all remember the little rocky clip that i played one time and i can't get beyond that day that i showed that to you and i said you know the sermon that particularly wasn't about that speech but, but it would be a good sermon one day which was what rocky was saying to his son when his son was complaining about the condition of his life is that you can't sit here and blame the world for your lot in life. You can't say that because of this person or this circumstance, I'm not where I want to be. You can't say because of this shadow that someone else has cast or, or this uh, choice that someone else made that I'm not doing what I want to do. If you want it, go do it. And I think we see that in the life of the Magi. They were compelled by something. They saw something. They had a dream and a vision, and they wanted to know what was at the end of that rainbow, so to speak. And instead of waiting for someone to come tell them that the Christ child was born, they assumed that vision in their own hearts and sought after it. They left their home. They left everything they knew behind to travel to Bethlehem. Now today, it wouldn't be a hard travel to get from Babylon to Bethlehem. Babylon would today be known as Baghdad. It would be some 900 miles, which we could travel within just a few days. But in that day, a 900-mile journey meant four months worth of travel. Think about the time that they spent on that road. 
And, you know, I don't think that they left Babylon for Bethlehem without a plan. We know that because, one, well, they were wise men. They knew better than to, to walk out into a wilderness unprepared. So I am certain that they made preparations for their journey. One of those preparations is they knew that there were roads that they could travel. They didn't have to, to beat their own path through the wilderness. There were many paths that they could choose from to get them from point A to point B. You know, and sometimes I think in life that, that we have those opportunities set out in front of us where the roads have already been paved by other people. may not be a physical road like Highway 80 out here, but it may be lessons learned through other people's experiences and failures. Someone once told me that, that it's a wise man who learns from their own mistakes, but it's an even a wiser man or lady who learns from the mistakes of others. Many people have gone before us in attempts to do things in their lives only to meet with failure. And they would push forward and eventually succeed in what they're doing. And I think that when we as a people go out on these new journeys that God has before us, that, that we don't have to go thinking we have to discover the way all by ourselves. We have experiences of others that we can fall back onto that we can learn from, that, that before we even begin to move forward, we can say so-and-so was faced with this same situation, this same option, this same choice. And we can look at what they have done, what they experienced and how they handled it, and apply those things to our own situations. Our journey in carrying out the will of God doesn't have to be beaten through the bushes. It can be ridden with grace and joy by the knowledge left behind by others. And the other thing that we learn from the Magi during this time is that on that journey, God puts people in our path. People that we may or may not like, may or may not agree with, but he puts them there for a reason. You see, these learned people knew that the star spoke to them, but it didn't give them all the information that they needed. And they themselves, even though it was likely that, that they had knowledge of the, the coming of Christ, only had a small amount of understanding of what was going on. But they knew to, to make it to Jerusalem. And it was there where they were obtaining more information about what they should do. And the person that God put in their path was not the most righteous of men, was definitely not the most trusted of men. He was a king known as Herod the Great. Herod was a great politician. History records that for us. But history also says of Herod that he was a devious and vile person, that he cared more about his own possessions and his own status than he did his own family. It was nothing for him to put to death a family member to save his status. But this was the man that God put in their path. Odd, isn't it? But I think in their wisdom, they recognized what was before them. And they knew that, that they had to obtain the information, and that was the place to get it. But, but I think that they knew that they could only present 
to this king certain aspects of who they were and what they were doing. He told them, or the Magi said, that we hear seeking out the Messiah. And we've seen his star in the east. And in simplest terms, asked of the man, where do we go from here? And I can't tell you how many times in life I have heard people say that I don't have the answer. And I would prefer not to go to this person over here to obtain that information because I don't trust that person. I don't like the way that person talks. And I don't like the way that person feels. But the reality is that in the world we live in, we don't always get along with the people that are around us. We may love them from a distance, but we may not trust them with our lives. But we have to work together as a people in order to get through the journey that God has put us on. They had to trust that the most vile man of their time would provide them with accurate information. And I think what was great about this whole experience is that, that we look to the man who's in charge of everything, the man who's supposed to be of all knowledge, and he himself did not have the answer, that, that he himself had to call on his servants, the scribes and the priests, to obtain that information from him. And that is not to say that he as a king was not knowledgeable. What it speaks to us is this, is that, that it's not possible for one person, no matter how powerful and no matter how mighty or how educated, for them to obtain all information needed in life. That him, even in his evil, knew that he had to rely on the um, thoughts and the opinions and the expertise of other people. That's what made him a good king. He knew how to talk with the people to communicate his desire and, and get that information from them and pass that information on. It's part of walking that journey that God has put before us. And it was important to the Magi that, that they fulfill their call, that they fulfill the mission of making it to the Christ child. Though we don't know why it was so important to them. And they took that information and continued on their path. Now we don't know how old Christ was at that time. If the star that appeared to the Magi appeared after Christ's birth, then we can say with some amount of certainty that it was at least four months later because it would take approximately four months to make that travel in that time. And Herod gathered information from them about that experience. And later on, he put out a decree that every male child born in the vicinity of Bethlehem, two years and younger, were to be put to death. And he did that. 
so that another king would not come into this world. He did that because he was fearful of his own throne, his own existence. So he was going to eliminate that threat. But the Magi saw what was happening. In their wisdom and their experience with people, they, they recognized that, that even though they had to go to this person to obtain information, they did not have to give them, him their loyalty. He asked them that, that when you find the child, come back and report to me. He said that he wanted to honor Christ. But the Magi saw through the lie and understood that the king was out for something more. So I think that dealing with people, not only do we understand the impacts that they have on our lives, both negative and positive, we understand that just because someone does something for us or on our behalf does not mean that we owe them our loyalty doesn't mean that, that we have to do for them what they want, as in paying back favor for favor. When you give a gift to someone, or you give a gift to someone, that gift is, should always be given with no strings attached. Love doesn't answer. Give back to me what I gave to you. But they remain loyal to honor, and they remain loyal to integrity without showing loyalty to man, which is what we as Christians are oftentimes called to do. Do you ever wonder why there's so many commands in the Bible to love thy neighbor as thyself? It's because it's not something we do naturally. It's a choice that we make. And how we approach people, how we discuss things with people, how we accomplish missions, how we talk about people to their face, and, and how we talk about people behind their backs. It helps us define our character as we grow in the image of God. But in all this, the mission has not been completed. The wise men, the magi, have not yet made it to be in the presence of God our King. But they push through with what limited information they have, with the hope and the passion to know that, that at the end of their journey, they would be satisfied with what they have found. Now, the story reads sometimes that we would think that that star was present the entire time and that they followed that star the entire journey, but, but Scripture really doesn't say that. It says that while they were in their homeland, the star appeared. It didn't say that they followed that star, but they recognized it and they heard the call within for it to be what it was. It was after they left Jerusalem on the way to Bethlehem that Scripture says that, that they followed that star to its point of destination. And when that star came to a rest over the house that Christ was present in, they found their treasure. They accomplished their mission and they carried out their plan.
and they brought forth to that child the gifts of gold, the gifts of myrrh, and the gifts of frankincense. Now, in our knowledge and our understanding, we we have assigned meanings to those gifts. We assigned that the gold that was brought and presented to him was recognition of kingship of Christ, of understanding the nature of the deity who left heaven and came into this world. And the frankincense was presented in a manner of worship. Frankincense is often used in the praise of God. And I think for some of us, the most precious gift of all was that of myrrh. In essence, these wise men were saying this. Child of heaven, we know that that you have come into this world to love, to live, to suffer, and to die. Because myrrh is presented to anoint the body of the dead so that it has a sweet, sweet smell. That's what our tradition says about those gifts. And I think we say that because we as a people have recognized Christ's purpose into this world. But Christ's purpose was also that we live and live abundantly. They left behind everything and set out on a new journey and met new people and had new experiences and lived in the presence of the God who came into this world that we should live in this life and that we should have life eternally when we fall asleep here. See, they carried out their mission, oftentimes with limited information. But they used the resources they had with the knowledge and wisdom that they gained through their own lives and through the lives and experiences of others. And they made it to that Christ child and performed acts of worship. And I think God allows us to have this information so that we today can say of our own lives that there is a journey that we're on, whether individually or collectively. And in order to start that journey, we must move forward. And to be wise and understanding, be compassionate. but don't be stepped on. And give to God all things that are precious to us. 
Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth shall have everlasting life. So what journey has God called you on? Have you already begun or are you hesitant about getting started? If these three can travel 900 miles on a whim, just imagine what we can do today with the knowledge of God and information at hand. So let me encourage you in this coming year to take advantage of every opportunity that God presents. Take hold of your life and seek to fulfill every dream that you possibly can. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for this time that you've given us. And Father, as we move out of this church house today out into the world, let us move out with a, with a, a spirit of, of excitement, a spirit that, that will lead us and guide us into an unknown yet experiencing your comfort as we move along. Help us to see that mission accomplished in our minds as we approach every nook and turn, every journey, every person along the way, and help us to see you and your hand in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May grace, mercy, and peace which come from God our Father and from Jesus Christ be with us in love. Amen.